Thank you for joining us in our study of the book of Genesis, entitled The Origin of Reason. Okay, I mentioned that we'd be considering the idea of theistic evolution. This will be a brief consideration right here in order to explain it. Now, there are different views regarding theistic evolution, and you want to know what it is and then what types of views are held on this. Theistic evolution is an attempt to accommodate both the existence of a creator God one who made the universe, to accommodate it with scientific evidence that claims the universe is billions of years old. Personally, I do not hold to that. I don't recommend that view. There's different reasons, and we'll go over that briefly here. The idea states that God used evolution in his process of creation, and the basic framework of evolution is true in a sense that he told the ground to produce grass and herbs, and it did, and the water produced fish, and it did. And the first two chapters of Genesis, the creation account, a lot of people want to say is allegorical. That is not accurate. There's two basic schools of thought when it comes to theistic evolution. First, there is the minimalist view that differs from atheistic evolution that basically says the Big Bang started it all in the little tiny box mentioned in our last study. But the minimalist view is one view, and there is an evolutionary creationist view. The minimalist view differs from atheistic evolution only on one point, and that is the beginning of creation. It teaches that God first determined and established the physical laws that would govern the universe with a mind to eventually develop human life. Then he initiated the Big Bang, so it does incorporate that idea, or whatever phenomenon marked the first moment of our cosmos. And then after that, when it came to the development and care of life on Earth, God stepped back and he let the laws that he had already put in place direct or dictate what would happen from there on. You might not believe it, but there's a lot of Protestants that hold this view, as do the Buddhists and the Hindus and some of the Jews. I am not one of those. I hold to a one-day creation for a one-day event. Evolutionary creationism is a second view that basically says that God did use evolution, but he still remained somewhat involved, occasionally nudging the universe in the direction that he thought it should go. Now, in particular, as species would go extinct, God spontaneously would create a new species to take their place. This theory is held by conservative Christians who wish to keep God involved with the universe. Now, I have reservations when you want to say that these were conservative Christians. I do not see this as a Christian view at all. I don't believe it is something that we can take and say, look, here's what the scriptures say, and here's what the scriptures teach. Because the evolutionary timeline of the earth conflicts so thoroughly with the Genesis creation account, theistic evolutionists have to reinterpret the first two chapters of Genesis, and it has to go all the way on to chapter 11. They use the day-age theory, and what they want to say is that the Lord says one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Or they want to say that a day is an unspecified duration of time, which is strict conjecture. I mean, we could interject our ideas on Scripture, and we can say that God had a golf cart, and he rode around to make sure everything was perfect if we want to. I mean, he's God. He can make whatever he wants. Other people use a framework theory, which is similar, but it identifies the first age with the fourth age, and the second with the fifth, and the third with the sixth. And they start dividing up the book of Genesis quite a bit. And it really starts tearing the book apart. Theistic evolution is valued by two groups. The first is a group of believers who wish to be able to engage intelligently with secular scientific communities. 
They don't want to seem ignorant or backwoodsy. They want to seem like they're talking on a scientific level with these other men. And I think that's wrong. You just say, well, here's what Scripture says, and you stand there, and however they think is however they think. I think it's an overreaction to the church's history of condemning any science that appeared to contradict the Bible. And we can look at earlier the flat earth theory and the sun uh, revolved around the earth and so on and so forth. There was an evolution in understanding. We grow in our knowledge, and you could say our thoughts are evolving because we're gaining more knowledge. But what we're talking about here is the evolution of creation. What they're trying to do is to relate to atheistic evolutionists and to show how science and God can coexist. So they're trying to bring, again, a harmony, a peace. Theistic evolution is adopted by a lot of younger Christians who are faced with, let's say, university classes or high school classes where there's an overwhelming amount of evidence in support of evolution. And not wishing to abandon their faith, they adapt their view of creation. The second group is one who welcomes theistic evolution and they're scientists who become Christians. The young earth creationism is no way, in no way accepted or respected within the scientific community. So generally it'll be difficult to find any scientists that accept that idea. They just don't accept a young earth idea after a lifetime of believing in evolution. Now, again, as I mentioned in our previous study, evolution demands an old earth, billions of years old. And without that, the idea of evolution just doesn't work because it took man so long to evolve. And the sun, and the moon, and the star, all this took billions of years, is what the idea of an old earth or the atheistic evolutionary ideas, that's what they tend to believe. So what Christian scientists want to do and tend to do is combine their ideas and their newfound love for God with their long established belief in evolution. But once they begin to study scripture, they'll find that it just doesn't work out. As creative as theistic evolution theories can be, uh, there's no way you can mesh them up and match them up with Genesis 1 and 2. It doesn't work. You'll have to start twisting and warping and turning, and you'll have to start accepting and bending the scriptures in order to accept the views that they hold. We don't do that under any circumstance. Here's what the Bible says, whether you accept it or not. You know, I'm not going to be that blunt or that rude to anybody, but the concept is here's what the Bible says, and it's not going to change for you or me. This is what it says. The facts will walk all over your emotions, and they will. And again, I'll repeat this probably over and over in our studies, 95% of the decisions and the understandings that we have are based on emotional responses. So no matter if you have a PhD or if you have no education at all, you still tend to respond emotionally to concepts and ideas. Genesis 1 speaks of one day, and the day is a literal day. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. It does not mean or indicate in any way an epoch or a time or an age that is of long duration. It's not an unspecified amount of time. It's a 24-hour period. God created the world in six 24-hour periods, contrary to what other people wish to say. And we cited in our previous study various verses that supported this in Scripture. Now, you have the alternative to hold to a secular view of theistic evolution. You have that alternative, but I would challenge it in light of what the scriptures have to say. Compare what secular science has to say and match it up to scripture. What I do is hold to scripture. It is what God has said. Science changes from day to day. Presently, we're living through a pandemic, and we have a one Dr. Fauci that has changed his mind numerous times during this ordeal. 
Science changes from day to day. It's based a lot on opinions. And more and more, it's becoming political. The facts don't speak for themselves anymore. Noah's flood explains most of the fossil records when you start looking at skeletons and stuff buried in different places. And much of the rest, we just don't know. But that doesn't mean we have to find something to fill in the voids. If it's not there, we just don't know it yet. One of the most cherished and least publicized assumptions in the scientific world is called fabulism. It says that since humans have a limited intellect, we can't know the truth really about anything. We're fable in our minds, we're weak. Any scientific theory can be proved wrong at any moment, what I was saying a minute ago. In response, a scientist, doesn't, they don't work with truth now. They work with models or ideals, approximations that can appear to express the truth about a situation, and they bring us as close as we can to make a determination. Generally, the determination becomes a subjective matter. In the case of the development of the universe, no human, now living, was there to see what really happened. And as a result, we have our choice of the models that we want to choose. What the Creator, who was there, says in the Bible, or what limited human intellect has inferred from the evidence that he's seen. Now, both models seem to explain the physical evidence is there, but only one is the eyewitness who is there. And that one is the God who brings salvation to man. What one believes about creation and evolution, or theistic evolution, it's not a salvation issue. Do you have to believe this way or that way in order to be saved? No. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. You have to repent of your sin and come to him. And it's the Lord who does this within you. He's the one that opens your eyes and your understanding. So if there's any questions on these things, Ask the Lord and then read his word. He'll show you and guide you. Evolution and our position on these things is not going to determine our salvation, but it will indicate what we value more. It does. What I would emphasize is value the word of God above all else. Do not value above the word of God any interpretation of man, scientific or just friend. Go to scripture and see what scripture says. Plant your feet there and hold until something else is proven to you. Now again, I want to summarize this and then we'll leave this subject. Theistic evolution is an attempt to accommodate both the existence of a creator God who made the universe and the interpretation of science. And it claims the universe is a billion years old. I don't believe that. It states that God used evolution in his process of creation and the basic framework is true. It ultimately ends up and says that Genesis 1 through 3 or 4 is allegorical. It's not actually real. It's examples that are given to help us understand things. So I don't hold on to that. It says that the idea that God started and directed the process but then stepped away. And what this looks at is that God's really kind of disinterested. He's trying, but it also says that he's the author of death and suffering because it puts death before man sinned. And what that does is make death seem to be an arbitrary thing that he did capriciously. He chose who needed to go, who needed to stay, and that's not the biblical teaching at all. And that's not the way scripture teaches us. It calls into question the truth of God's word. It calls into question his character and his abilities. Now, these are the reasons I do not hold to these things. It brings too many questions to the character of God that are unjustified and are based strictly on an idea, but not on Scripture. God started it all, and now he's just kind of watching, and that is nonsense. God is intimately involved with this creation. There's a lot of assumptions that have to be made with the theistic evolutionist that Scripture does not allow. So this is where I stand on this issue. This is where I'll be coming from as I teach through the book of Genesis. 
And I hope you stay with me as we continue in our study of the origin of reason. I want to thank you very much for participating in this study, and I'm glad that you've joined us, and I hope that you continue as we continue through the study of Genesis to understand the origin of reason. Thank you very much.